Good morning. Oh, come on. There's enough of you here. You can do better than that. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Good morning to folks joining us um, via uh, the internet this morning. Um, I want to remind, uh, uh, remind you that, um, as if you didn't already know, Christmas Eve is going to be a little different this year. Duh, right? Um, Christmas Eve is going to be a little bit different this year. Um, it, it, we are um, putting together a Christmas Eve worship service that includes song and word and message that will, that will be uh, broadcast at 6.30 on Christmas Eve um, via the internet and also on radio. And um, we will also, we, I think we're still going to have a DVD available for folks who don't have internet. And so if you need a DVD, let us know. We will open the doors to the sanctuary. And uh, you can come here if you don't have internet. And we will have the worship um, on the screen here. But there will be no live music. In fact, all the musicians are encouraged to stay at home and uh, be with family, um, whether it's in their living room or wherever. Um, and, um, and so I want you to uh, be sure to mark your calendar. Uh, I am absolutely convinced that uh, it will be a very meaningful worship service. Um, I have already got to hear O Holy Night and, um, and hear some of the scripture readings. And so I just want to invite you to gather um, in your house as a family uh, at 6.30 on Christmas as we uh, gather together, even though we are scattered, um, to worship God and to celebrate the coming of Christ afresh and anew into our lives and into this world. Um, and again, if you need a DVD, please call the office and we will get you one. If you are planning to come here because you have no other means, um, also just let us know so we know what to expect. Um, and then I also remind you, we are doing a come and go communion from four to six um, for, for folks. And we ask that you make a reservation for that also so that we can be prepared. So um, I think that's enough announcements. What do you think? So here we stand on this fourth Sunday of Advent, waiting for Christ to come, waiting for God's arrival. And yet each Sunday as we gather, don't we gather to be reminded that Christ is with us and is among us? Don't we gather every Sunday to be reminded of that present? Don't we, do we not gather every Sunday in anticipation and expectation that when we come together, when we focus our thoughts and our mind and our whole being on God, we see God and we experience Christ afresh and anew. And so this morning, let us turn our thoughts toward God. Let us be reminded as these candles are lit that Christ is among us and He is among us not just in this space, but He is with us always. Let us come together to celebrate Christ's presence among us this morning, as uh, Dina Ocker leads us in Mary Did You Know?
did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, is the face of God. Mary, did you invite us um, to focus our attention uh, uh, and just to reflect what Advent means as we once again light our Advent candles. We stand on the threshold between this world and the next one. We live and move between the ordinary and divine, between the mundane and the mystery, too often, we forget to look up and see the angels in our living room. We forget that the love we give and live is a sign of eternity, God with us right now. We forget that company is coming. Luke tells us that God's favor came to a girl, an ordinary girl. It might have been you or your daughter. It might have been the girl down the street or your grandchild. 
But the messenger of God came and greeted her and said, The Lord is with you. What a gift and a promise. Emmanuel, God is with us. We try to light these candles (laughs) with peace in our hearts for the promise of proximity, the nearness of God. Even when we forget to listen, to lean into that presence, God is as close as our own breath. This, in a confused and confusing world, is a peace that passes all understanding. It is the peace that knows that company is coming. And now all God's people said, O come, O come, come, Emmanuel.
coming. We long to be in your holy presence with no fear, with no things to cause struggle and trial in our own hearts, with no things to cause pain and suffering in our lives. We long to be in your perfect presence, and that day we get to be in your perfect kingdom. But even then, in our longing and in our waiting, you long to bring a touch of your kingdom to our lives here and now. You long to bring a touch of peace, a touch of love, and, and to fill us with your presence, with all of your goodness and greatness. You long to light up our lives with your grace and love and goodness. But too often we are, we are stubborn, like an Advent candle, to let you light us and to warm us. We're stubborn to let you come in. This morning, Lord, we open ourselves to you. Come in. Fill us. Come in. With your Holy Spirit, guide us. As we await that glorious kingdom, let us experience it in a mighty way this morning that we may begin living for that kingdom here and now. Bring the things of your kingdom to this world that others may see it and experience it in a mighty way. Holy God, we thank you. Holy Lord, come. Amen. Amen. Well, every Advent... We begin the, the season by acknowledging that the world is not what God intended, that the world indeed is a mess and needs setting right. We begin the Advent season by acknowledging that we long for God to show up and to set it right. We long for God to uh, show up and um, clean up the mess that exists in the world. We long for God to come into our lives and the world afresh and anew. And if we have been on this Advent journey, we have even begun to prepare ourselves. We have taken some time to look at ourselves and to acknowledge our own participation in the mess that exists in the world. We have taken some time uh, to ask God to continue to shape us. And now we have begun to decorate and to sing, deck the halls, enjoy to the world. We have begun to look forward to the joy of Christmas, not just the joy of gathering together as families, but the joy of celebrating Christ coming into the world afresh and anew. And so on this fourth Sunday of Advent, we stand waiting at the threshold, we stand waiting in the doorway for Christ to come, for God to come afresh and anew. And so here we are waiting at the threshold. And I can't help but wonder if too often we continue to wait at the threshold and never step through the doorway in this Christmas season. I can't help but wonder when the season comes and it passes 
and everything just seems to go back to the way it was, and we wonder, where is God? Why didn't God show up? Well, today, on this fourth Sunday of Advent, uh, there are a couple of passages of Scripture, one that comes from 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, and the other comes from Luke chapter 1. And we're going to take a look at these and see if these passages maybe give us a clue as to what we need to do so that we can step through this threshold. And so first I invite us to, um, to hear the words from 2 Samuel chapter 7. Beginning in verse 1. When the king was settled in his palace, and this is talking about David. When King David was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all of his surrounding enemies. You may remember uh, King David uh, spent a lot of years on the run, and finally um, he became the king in Jerusalem, and everything seemed to settle down. And so uh, this passage begins... Uh, with David uh, the king in the palace. And he says to Nathan, Look, I'm living in this cedar palace, but God's chest is housed in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go ahead and do whatever you think, what you're thinking, because the Lord is with you. But that very night, the Lord's word came to Nathan, Go to my servant David and tell him, This is what the Lord says. You are not to build, you are not the one to build a temple for me to live in. In fact, I haven't lived in a temple from the day I brought Israel out of Egypt until now. Instead, I have been traveling around in a tent and in a dwelling. Throughout my traveling around with the Israelites, did I ever ask any of Israel's tribal leaders that I appointed to shepherd my people? Did I ever ask them, why haven't you built me a cedar temple? So then say this to my servant David. This is what the Lord of heavenly hosts says. I took took you from the pasture, from following the flock, to be leader over my people, Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone, and I've eliminated all your enemies before you. Now I will make your name great, like the name of the greatest people on earth. I'm going to provide a place for my people, Israel. And plant them so that, they may, so that they may live there and no longer be disturbed. Cruel people will no longer trouble them as they had been earlier. When I appointed leaders over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. And the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make a dynasty for you. And then in verse 16... He continues and says, Your dynasty and your kingdom will be secured forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Now we read these passages at Advent because uh, this promise of a Davidic um, kingship and dynasty, uh, while the people in David's time may have thought that meant that it was David's sons, um, we see as did early followers of Christ and even uh, Jewish folks, that this was a promise of the Messiah. And so we hear these words in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, 
God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was confused by these words, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his follower, his father. He, the Lord will give him the throne of David, his follower. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen, since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is born will will be holy. He will be called God's Son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. And then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me, just as you have said. And then the angel left her. Those with ears to hear, hear the word of God this day and respond. Now these seem like uh, um, some passages that are loosely linked. And in fact, we, we normally read these in Advent because of this promise to David about a, a dynasty, about a, a king who will come and who will rule forever in this line of David. And so we focus on this aspect usually on this fourth Sunday. And yet I wonder if sometimes if, if that's the only part of this scripture that we focus on and we end up being like the people in the first century, longing for our God to come, standing at the threshold, waiting and anticipating the Messiah, and yet the Messiah is born, grows up, lives, teaches, dies and rises, and people still stand on the threshold saying, where is my God? Where is our Messiah? And so I want to invite us to look at these passages a little bit different today, and and to begin with this 2 Samuel passage in in, uh, chapter 7. Uh, As I said, this is David finds himself at rest, uh, no longer in wars, the, the, the kingdom that has been promised, has been set up, and David finds himself sitting in this palace, and, and he uh, looks out the back of the palace, I guess, and, and he sees the chest of the covenant. Now, the chest of the covenant is where uh, the Ten Commandments resided, and, and probably there was a sample of manna. There were some uh, very precious and holy things in this chest of the covenant. It was considered to be the place where God showed up to meet the people. It was considered to be the place where God resided here on earth. And so it was a holy place. And, and, and David looks out the back of the palace, I guess, and he sees that the chest of the covenant is still sitting in this tent uh, that was built when they were journeying in the wilderness, in this tent of the tabernacle. And, and David says, well, this just isn't right. 
I mean, our God is awesome, and so we need to build something grand and glorious for God. We need to build this big old building so everybody can see how great and honored God is. And so David has this plan. He is going to build this temple. And God, I I love this. We miss this, I think. And God basically says to David, you know, I, I, I got some different plans. Does God ever do that to you? I've got some different plans. And I find it interesting what God says here. God God says, um, I kind of like the tent. You know, you can pack the tent up and you can tell it's mobile. I can kind of be on the move. And God says, this tent's not so bad. And he, he says to David, I mean, did, did I ever tell the people of Israel that you needed to build a house for me? I mean, I was able to travel with the Israelites through the wilderness and travel with them uh, into the promised land and to go wherever they went. I can't help but wonder if the idea of building this temple for God was more about building a box that we could contain God in and make sure he didn't get loose. Yes? But God goes on and he says, while David's worried about building this house, God says, I'm about building a place for my people. I'm about building a place for my people, a place where the people of God and the people of this earth can thrive and flourish so that the people of this this world can be as they were intended in communion with each other, in communion with God. I want to build this place so that people can live with hope and joy and love and peace. I want to build this place for the people of the earth. And so, we often think, so he says, David, you're not going to build this temple. Your son will build this temple. And it is quite possible that God was speaking about Solomon, but the more and more I read Scripture the more and more I wonder if that's really what God had in mind. If I read Scripture, it seems like when it came to building the temple, it was more of Solomon's idea than God's idea. And in fact, as we have understood Scripture through the years, we have come to believe that this this passage in 2 Samuel was not fulfilled when Solomon built the temple, but it was fulfilled when God came to tabernacle in this world, in the person of of Jesus. And so we, we see in this passage in Luke chapter 1, God is on the threshold of entering into this world in a new and different way, not just in a, a chest of the covenant where these articles reside, not in a temple that is built by humans that seeks to contain God, But God is on the verge of coming into this world in a new and different way. Yes, to set up His kingdom forever. 
Yes, we like to lay hold of that and, and we like to uh, be reminded that someday that this promise will come to full tr- fruition and the kingdom of God will be here in its fullness and we like to lay hold to that claim. But yet if that's all we hold, we miss, we miss what this passage seems to so loudly scream. When the angel comes to Mary, the angel says, God is with you. Doesn't say, God will be with you when you rebuild the temple. It says, God is with you, favored one. And then one of the most awesome things happens that we so often pass over. We hear this passage. We hear the angel say to Mary that you will give birth to the very Son of God, that you will give birth to a human and divine, that you will give birth to this person through whom God will come to be with us. And we hear this passage as if Mary is being given a commandment. But I suggest we need to read this passage again. Mary is not being told, you will have a child no matter whether you want one or not. Mary is being invited to participate in birthing Christ into this world. This is an invitation to Mary. That's why the angel shows so much patience when she says, how can this be? And the angel explains to her and says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and this child will be both human and divine. This child will be the very presence of God here on the earth. In this child, the divine and the human will come together. This will be the place where God will meet all the people of the earth. So Mary, like the rest of Israel, is standing in the doorway on the threshold waiting for a Messiah to come, wondering for years, where is the Messiah? When is God going to come again? I can't help but wonder if there had been other women who the Spirit showed up to, who who Gabriel showed up to and made this same invitation and they said, "Uh uh-uh, not me. I can't help but wonder. But you see, in this instance, we, of course, we don't hear about them. I wonder why. Maybe they don't exist. Maybe they're only in my imagination. Mary hears what the angel says. Standing at the threshold, like much of Israel, waiting for the Messiah to come. And she steps through the threshold, through the doorway. And she says, yes. Yes, I will participate in the coming of Christ. Now we hear the story and a few days later she gives birth. Is that how it works? No, that's not how it works. She was saying yes to nine months of gestation to labor and pain, to caring for this child so that it could grow, so that he could grow and he could become as God intended him to be. 
But it began by her saying, yes, I am a servant of the Lord. Let what you have said be so. I can't help but wonder if Christmas after Christmas, we simply remain waiting in the threshold. And Christmas comes and goes, just like Jesus came and walked on the earth and, and went back to heaven. Comes and goes, and we find ourselves still saying, where's God? When's God going to show up? And I wonder if we find ourselves waiting in that threshold, wondering where God is, because we, we haven't said yes yet. We haven't said, I'm willing to be the person through whom God is made known in the world. And so as we get closer and closer to Christmas Day, I invite us to ask ourselves, are we ready to stop waiting in the doorway? Are we ready to stop waiting at the threshold, waiting for God to do something magnificent and grand, waiting for God to do something without our cooperation? Are we ready to step through the doorway into the house that God has already created for us? John Wesley saw the whole Christian life as as a doorway, as a house in which we step into. Are we ready this Christmas to say yes and to step into that doorway in its fullness, to step through into this house, into this life with Christ? Are we ready to step more fully into the kingdom of God So that Christ might be born in us and through us. And so that the kingdom of God might not just be something that we remember happened on a Christmas long ago when the king came. Or is sometime in the future when we anticipate uh, that, that Christ will come again in all of his fullness. But it is a time when Christ comes to us moment by moment and day by day, inviting us to stop waiting in the threshold, to step through the doorway, to step into the full presence of Christ and to allow Christ to fully, allow the Spirit to fully be within us, guiding us and shaping us and forming us. Are we ready to say yes to God's invitation this Christmas? Are we ready to be a host in which Christ is born and thrives and nurtures so that we might go into the world to bring about this kingdom so that we might help create this place that God intended from the beginning, a place where the people of God and the people of the earth can flourish and abound in love, joy, and peace. Indeed, let us, along with Mary, this day and this Christmas, say yes.
Do you have room? Will you say yes when Jesus shows up? And it won't, he won't wait till Christmas. Will you say yes when Jesus shows up? Will you step through the threshold and into the kingdom of God? He has room for us. Do we have room to do life with him? Let us go forth from here. In the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, to say yes when Jesus comes so that we might enjoy the fullness of his presence and we might be the kingdom of God for the people of this earth and we might watch the mess that exists melt away as Christ comes. Are you ready for Jesus to come? Amen.